0: Hello everyone! Welcome to the Pop That Mama podcast. How are you guys doing? I'm back at it again with another birth story for you all. I know you guys love the birth stories. So in this episode, I'm joined by Carly, who is an absolute hero and wonderful woman. And she's joining us to share her birth story. We also get to hear from Kemi Johnson, who is a birth activist and is doing wonderful work in the birthing community for pregnant people and birth workers. So stay tuned for that really lovely to have you on the podcast, Carly. Over to you to say hi and introduce yourself. Thank you. Hi. Yeah,
1: I'm Carly. I am a first time mum to four month old Woody. I am a paediatric nurse specialist um, by sort of career. Um, But I'm also a yoga teacher specialising in pre and postnatal yoga, which I absolutely love. And I'm a new member of the birth nerd gang, I'd say. (laughs) So Yeah, I mean, growing up, like giving birth was actually one of my my great fears. (laughs) I had many. I was that kind of child. Um, But I knew really early on in my life that I was excited about becoming a mother and about breastfeeding. Um, So the idea of giving birth was always this inevitable trauma that I would have to endure at some point. Um, And that was until I started practicing yoga, teaching yoga and specifically specializing in pregnancy yoga. Uh, when I just sort of fell in love with the female body and continued to be in absolute awe of what it is capable of. So like many first-time mums, I read and listened to as many birth stories as I possibly could digest. I obsessed over birth-focused Instagram accounts. I watched so many birth videos um, and I completely fell in love with um, Ina Mae Gaskin's uh, Guide to Childbirth book, We joined a hypnobirthing course. And by the time I was 20 weeks pregnant, I was absolutely buzzing for the labor and birth. And by 41 weeks pregnant, I was so ready for it. I was so excited and open to it. And even though my birth wasn't at home as I would have liked to to have been, it wasn't hands off, it wasn't orgasmic or even close to how I'd hoped it might have been. I have never felt so confident and capable and badass as I did when I was laboring with my babe. And for this reason, I reflect on my birth as being really positive, empowering, strengthening. Um, But it was also bitterly disappointing in a way. Um, My immediate feelings were not of success and overwhelming love, but kind of a a bit of failure, um, for I hadn't achieved the birth that I had so desperately dreamed of. So do I regret having a birth preference or plan? Not at all. Do I regret consuming all the positive birth stories? No, I don't. I really needed those to get myself prepared to have my birth team on the same page and to know how best to support me given the many deviations that any birth can take, but mine definitely did. Um, And the key to my birth experience being something that I can reflect on positively and not consumed with trauma is because of the preparation and the work that I put in during pregnancy. And that's something I'm really proud of.
0: Amazing. Well, I'm really excited to hear this story. So yeah, over to you. Start wherever, tell it however you however you want to tell it. Amazing. Thank you.
1: Okay. Um, so first up, I guess I want to share, um, because I think it really impacted how I approached my pregnancy and birth, was that we had been trying to conceive for approximately 15 or 16 cycles without success. um, And I had never really fully appreciated the magnitude of trying unsuccessfully to conceive. It was exhausting, like repeating the monthly cycle of hope and anticipation and possibility and what became very functional sex um, followed by devastation and a loss of something that might have been. And during that time I bonded with other women and couples who are experiencing similar journeys and found the sight, you know, even of a a pregnant woman walking down the street. So triggering as to like the why them and not me. And it was a really bold reminder to me that this was out of my control. And so when it did happen, I was consumed with, you know, with guilt that we had received this incredible gift. But I really felt like I was no more deserving than any other person that was also trying. And so my elation immediately sort of transferred to a harm reduction, uh, both for Matt and I in in case the pregnancy didn't progress. And in the way that I shared this information with those around me. But as time went on, I realized that like the weight of the trauma that I was carrying as a result of trying to conceive and the feelings of disconnect with my body, frustration with it not working how I wanted it to, and needed it to. And I let this override my joy for what was happening within me. So I really had to make a conscious shift and an effort to reconnect with my body, not least because it was forcing me to be present. Like I was sick and craving jam sandwiches simultaneously, but I had to dig deep and start celebrating the new life that I was carrying um, and to start trusting my my intuition. But seriously, like what an absolute head funk. It was all I'd had to like... it's all I'd ever dreamed of, yeah. I was so scared, but also so excited. It was a whirlwind of like contrasting emotions in any 60 second period, which I'm sure many, many of you listening and many pregnant women can connect with. So, once this process had started, I fell in love with pregnancy and with connecting with my baby and with my inner wisdom and with trusting the process. And in fact, I think I'd go so far as to say that I felt my truest, like my calmest and happiest self when I was pregnant. And I think it was a combination of allowing myself to be sort of kind to myself, to treat myself to that massage, to sleep the extra hours, to exercise when it felt good. And just be a bit more like conscious of the decisions that I was making. And so... As cliche as it sounds, I started to sort of fall in love with my body and and in love with my baby, which was just this incredible time. And you might think, why am I saying all of this when I'm supposed to be telling you my birth story? But I do because this shift all gave me the space to prepare for my baby's birth and for my becoming a mother and, and doing this immense pressure that I would put on myself every day to sort of do, 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 and instead take a step back and, take a deep dive into my preparation so to speak I also have to give you some credit Poppy because I had been listening to your podcast and and obviously I tried to reach out to you and we were trying to sort out the hypnobirthing and then I came across Sam from the Wonderhood who was running the group hypnobirthing in South London um, which we ended up doing online and this was incredible for us so whilst I felt like I was consuming a lot of my preparation via sort of Instagram accounts and reading and watching videos. I was really aware that Matt, my husband, he wasn't doing this. So (laughs) doing a hypnobirthing course together meant that we both received the same information. And, And he was really skeptical of hypnobirthing. Like many people, I think like a lot of men, he, you know, he's not into yoga or meditation or anything like that so he was really worried that it would be quite airy-fairy and he wouldn't like it um, but he was really impressed with the content and the delivery and, you know of what we were doing and it was pitched so well to provide like the insights into exactly what's happening during labor and equipping us with this practical knowledge that we would you know eventually need to navigate the many twists and turns that our labor produced and he says he came away feeling so much more confident in his ability to be a good birth birth partner, and really glad that we'd been able to discuss like you know our plans A B C D, which probably didn't go much further. We probably should have done, um, but we were able to make better decisions in the midst of all that was going on. So that was that was great. So I'm really glad that I I listened to to your podcast and. And the second episode that I listened to was with Beth and James. And we listened to that whilst, um, whilst we were painting our baby's nursery. And I think I've listened to that episode about three times now because I just absolutely loved it.
0: Wow. I'll stop fangirling you. <laughs> no, do you know what? That is. Um, that's actually the top episode on my whole podcast. So you're not alone. It's such <laughs> a fantastic story, isn't it? The nuances and the whole thing, the, whole, the way that it plays out and the twists and the turns and also having the birth partner's perspective right which is so rare absolutely so you're you're right yeah yeah no that's a top and also I think
1: that the 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 soothing tone of their their Scottish accent as well yeah so helps yeah
0: yeah (laughs) so good now I was so pleased to have them on um oh wow
1: yeah so so I you know I I knew that I wanted a home birth prior to being pregnant um it felt to me like the most natural way for me to experience labor and birth um, in a place that I felt safe and comfortable. So as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I booked in with the home birth team and I had my first appointment at home at seven weeks. Um, and I honestly cannot speak more highly of the, the home birth team that we that I had in Croydon um, and it, my, my midwife, Rebecca. She was everything that I needed from a midwife. She was nurturing, informative, Patient held me to like held me, but not too tightly, and she always made me feel as though I was the central decision maker. And she would support me to have the birth that I wanted. And you know, I I really, I really appreciated that um, during during those early times, but also the continuity of care that I received throughout the the entirety of of my pregnancy. Highly recommend it if you have a continuity of care team to to try and get with them wherever you are. Um, and I also knew that I wanted to invest in a doula, so I'd seen people around me sort of carrying this massive collection of of trauma almost from birth, and from being made to feel disempowered, and I knew that I wanted to do everything I could to come away from my labour with as little trauma (laughs) as I could, and I listened to Kemi Johnson say something to the tune of, don't buy the pram, don't buy the expensive car seat, the fancy clothes, invest in a birth doula and you'll be more prepared and ready to mother than having all of the gadgets. And I thought, yeah, I am totally on board with this. And so so we did it and we found our wonderful doula, Beverly um, locally, and she was honestly worth her weight in gold. Not only did she provide sort of antenatal education, but she really made us consider all of our options surrounding labor, birth in a holistic way, free from any judgment. She really got to know Matt and I and our values and our boundaries and preferences. And she really advocated for us hard. So she'll feature again (laughs) as I talk through my story. And then finally, final player to my team (laughs) um, was Matt, my husband, my greatest birth partner. And we took on this journey, you know, every step of the way together, the hypnobirthing, the antenatal education, and he backed me 200%, he sort of, you know, trusted, my, trusted me to make decisions that worked for me and Babe. And, and I guess like knowing that I was, I sort of allowed myself to trust myself. Okay, so I think that's all of the main people. <laughs> so I finished work at the hospital um, around 37 to 38 weeks pregnant. And at this point, I was still feeling great. I took on on all of the nesting rituals to get my head ready. I cleaned, batch cooked, meditated, practiced my breath work. I practiced yoga, made some affirmation posters and stuck them around the house. It was a really lovely time (laughs) for the first few weeks. And then 40 weeks came and passed, as did 41 weeks. And whilst physically I felt well, mentally it was getting quite tough to sort of live in this place of limbo, uh, one foot in my old world and one foot in a new world. And, you know, I was really grateful that I hadn't told anybody my expected or my estimated due date and instead gave a month. So it meant that I received a few less messages. And I'd highly recommend that to <laughs> anybody. But bar a few period pains, I really hadn't experienced anything new or out of the ordinary and I I maybe felt like a little bit more tired but that was about it. I was still trying to walk my 10,000 steps a day and I was swimming every other day mostly because I've always worked so having the luxury of a midweek swim in a near empty pool was just too good to miss but my midwife Rebecca she knew that I wished to decline any induction or sort of any discussion around um induction until at least 42 weeks and that I was giving myself and babe 43 weeks before considering it which she respected um, I also felt that the notoriously sort of unreliable due date um, that had been assigned to me was not in sync with my cycle so I had put my my date at, at a week later um, and so as 42 weeks approached Rebecca explained that I would be offered a scan and that she had to provide me with all of the necessary sort of bump as to why. Um, So I agreed to have the scan. If anything, I thought, well, it'll be lush to see babes and it would keep the hospital off my case for a little bit longer. (laughs) Um, So I was booked in for a scan, but actually it was booked a little bit early at 41 plus four weeks despite it being considered a post-dates scan (laughs) Uh, for no real reason other than availability, I believe, um, because the consultant midwife would be available on the same day to speak with us after the scan regarding approaching the 42 weeks. So off I went, and fortunately, Matt came with me that day. Um, We went to check in at the the desk um, and then sat in the waiting room, and then we waited. And then we waited for over an hour past our appointment time and still hadn't been called. And when Matt went to ask as to why um, the hold up, because it was really quiet in there. So it was just a bit bizarre. They said that we weren't on the system. (laughs) And after they like called around and searched their different systems, they explained that we hadn't been booked in and that we'd missed our appointment. And I'd already had like a few of these situations at this scanning place. And my patience for this was now quite low. (laughs) So I was like, you know, when you're like, you just, you're just raging. Like I was internally like raging, but really trying to keep my cool. (laughs) I was raging. (laughs) Um, Anyway, we finally like argued our point and managed to be seen for this, this scan. And to, you know, it was great. It was great to see babes. It was, it was lush. Um, And knowing we were so close to meeting them made me pretty giddy. And then we were told that we'd need to go and see the the midwife straight away um, after the scan, as it showed that I had some reduced amniotic fluid surrounding, surrounding vape. So off we went through to the maternity unit next door to meet this consultant midwife in her office, who very quickly explained that they would like to induce me there and then, (laughs) because of this reduction in amniotic fluid. (laughs) But let me just sort of reiterate. Like I felt great at this point. Like I had no concerns for my babe. Movements were good and normal for them, and I just felt like we were all right. Like I, I really felt good. Um, the midwife had prepared a sheet of paper with a number of different sort of sentences and in inverted commas risks about continuing the pregnancy beyond forty two weeks, and it felt like we, they were trying to convince me that an induction of labour was the safest option and I know for some people being introduced is something they're open to but I really wanted to avoid it if possible and I was only 41 plus four according to their dates 40 plus four according to my own dates so I reminded them that I had not yet reached this time frame and that I wanted to give my babe and I the opportunity to go into labor when we were ready and it was explained to me that in order to do this I'd need to have a CTG and that it was advisable for me to have a vaginal examination. Now, I was like, so ready for all of this chat. I went into this prepared, <laughs> thankfully, because of my hyp- the hypnobirthing. I was ready for this chat. And Matt could see that I was waiting for my time to respond. <laughs> with all of the st- statistics that I've been filing away in my mind for the past few months, I knew I did not have to do anything, that I did not have to have an induction, a CTG, or a vaginal examination, and that I could just walk away. And I immediately declined the induction and the examination and I agreed to the CTG. So we moved through to triage and a senior midwife took us on. And at this point I kind of felt like they'd all been prepped that I was going to be this difficult one (laughs) that wants to have a home birth and was not following their guidelines. But I, I kind of actually reveled in that. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go with this. I've done my work. (laughs) I've done my homework. Badass. (laughs) (laughs) So, we had this, you know, we had the CTG hooked up for 30 minutes and I was told that I couldn't have produced a more normal or healthier result. So I was like, thank you very much. I'm going to go home. <laughs> um, but I reminded the midwife that I really did feel good. Um, she asked if I was not experiencing any tightenings um, as the CTG looked as though I was having some. But I explained that I, I really, you know, didn't feel like I had anything to report So um, she asked once more if I wanted an
0: examination, but I declined. So guys, I'm just going to hop in here and add Kemi Johnston's voice notes. So Kemi and Carly were speaking during this time and Kemi was kindly giving Carly some advice and Carly said that actually these voice notes made her feel really empowered and gave her the strength to decline. So uh, just a quick heads up, Kemi is outspoken, but so she should be. She's a birth activist doing wonderful work and saying all of the things that we want to say. So let's hear from Kemi.
2: Hey Carly, do you know that seed of doubt, you can stuff it right up their ass because I can't believe that they're scanning you now and telling you that 2.7 as an AFI is dangerous and they just, honestly, if it wasn't so sabotaging, coercive and iatrogenic, I would laugh they're scraping a the barrel, desperate for people to not choose or keep their home birth, just to go into hospital so they can load you onto the conveyor belt and then take you off it in various states of broken, okay? That's all this is about. This is all about their needs and their comfort zone. Absolutely fruitless, groundless reasons to derail your birth plans. So I'm going to send you something about fluid ah. levels and this isn't the US, tell them to keep their hands out of your vagina. We're only supposed to be doing VEs if you're in labor. If you're not in labor, it's pointless doing a VE. So keep them out of your vagina because there's evidence that shows five vaginal checks or more, and there's a causal link with that and your baby having an infection that needs treatment. So please, they obviously don't have any standards or care. But maintain your bodily integrity. Do not let these people handle you without a very good reason for doing so. That ought to be the last for you. You're a healthy, happy, low-risk woman. Just please, don't let them walk your boat or fear you out of a healthy birth. You know how this will end if you listen to their crap.
0: Oh, you've got to love a Kemi voice note, right? She just says it exactly how it is. And we need people like her in our community. So thank you, Kemi. If anyone would like to follow her, then check out her Instagram handle in the show notes. Let's get back to the pods. Quick question. When they listed out the risk of you going past your dates and not inducing, did they also list out the risks of inducing labor?
1: No, exactly not. So... Which is, which is the conversation that we, we then had. Um, we were taken into this side room so that the obstetric registrar could come and discuss the, the results or, or you know, the result of the CTG with us. Um, so just to sort of set the scene, we were in a treatment room. I was sat on the bed, feet dangling down. And Matt was sat on a plastic chair to the side. And this registrar entered and stood in front of me, but just like a few inches away. So he was looking down at me. Now, like I'm I'm a nurse, I'm comfortable enough in these surroundings, the lights and smells are familiar to me, the beeping, the interruptions, you know, but having him stood over me felt like intimidation and he started to reel off all of the risks of continuing the pregnancy exactly as you just, you know, you asked, Um, given the reduced amniotic fluid and approaching 42 weeks with this classic sort of spiel about increased risk of stillbirth and placenta insufficiency, and again, I just sort of like, I knew it was my time. I looked at Matt and he smiled because he knew what was coming. Um, and I was like, this is not a drill in my head. I was like, come on, Carly." So I just felt my felt my heart racing. Um, and I just stood up from the bed to show him how close he was to me, which was now just a couple of inches. And he stepped back um, and I thanked him for his speech. <laughs> and I asked what the statistics were, you know, of, of going through with the induction of labor. Um, and also, what the the statistics were of the increased risk of stillbirth was as a result of the slightly reduced um, amniotic fluid, and he said he did not know exactly. So we used the the acronym, you know, the brains acronym from our hypnobirthing course. Matt and I we had a little discussion, a little powwow, um, and just went through it. So the benefits apparently were unknown to us. The risks, a cascade of intervention was as a result of. Um, of induction, the alternatives, no interventions, await spontaneous labor, intuition, mine was saying, go home, go home, go home, um, and then, or do nothing. So Matt did me really proud and asked the doctor if he could please find out what these statistics were um, so that we could make an informed decision about this, which I was, you know, I was really, I was really tough that he did that, but I already knew that we were going home. Like <laughs> that wasn't happening for me that day. So he then started to tell me of women that, you know, who had not heeded his advice and that had suffered as a consequence. And I just I just couldn't believe it. So I thanked him for trying to scare us um, as I, you know, I, I knew he was just following this protocol and explained that. I also understood that given everything he would told me, there was still a solid 99 percent chance or greater of not having a stillbirth and that
0: I preferred these odds. Um, particularly given so awful I mean it is outright coercion they they are essentially threatened Mm -hmm. threatening you so Mm -hmm. well done you and Matt honestly that's amazing (laughs) and I hope that people listening are feeling quite inspired by that that you can actually give it to them back in a way thank you (laughs) I was pretty chuffed with myself as well (laughs) I came out and I was like
1: buzzing (laughs) (laughs) um so So yeah, so that was that sort of conversation. And then the the midwife took plenty of time to talk to me to discuss my thoughts on induction, like on being told that, you know, the increased risk of stillbirth, et cetera. And she remained professional, but she also demonstrated that she, you know, she supported my autonomy. Like she, she, I asked her if she thought that me declining the induction was neglectful. (laughs) And she more or less uh, without saying the words you know, told me that she thought I was making the right decision and declining it. And she also gave me some clary sage oil to take home, which I was very grateful for. So happy with our decision. We agreed we would return the following day for a repeat CTG and we went home. So when I got home, I felt elated because I was in my safe place. and I was reassured that this was definitely the right decision for me. We were getting really excited at home because we knew that it was only a matter of days until we would meet babe. And um, Matt decided to start his paternity leave at this point so that he could come with me um, to the hospital each day. And we decided that we pretty much didn't have anything to lose but to try every oxytocin producing activity. So we tried watching funny films. We tried nipple stimulation. I was colostrum harvesting. We, we just went full out and tried everything. And I forgot, I forgot to say actually that the, following that scan, I was advised as well that a home birth would not be recommended due to this reduced amniotic fluid. But again, just to, to sort of reiterate that it was only just below acceptable measures. And, and when I look back at my notes um, with my home birth midwife, it had always been on the lower side throughout my pregnancy. So, you know, anyway, but despite a home birth not, a home birth not being recommended, The team was still happy to support me to have that if that was what I wanted. And which at this point was, you know, it was still a no brainer for me. So the next day I got up, I went for a swim in the morning and then we headed back to the hospital to have this CTG. We saw the same senior midwife. And again, there were no concerns uh, raised with babe or myself. Um, I was told it looked normal and they could see like an increase in the uterine activity, despite me not really feeling any of it. So after declining any further intervention again, we headed home, again, really happy with our decision and happy to settle back into to the place that we hoped we would be, we would be laboring. So Matt had it up, headed outside uh, to garden. I decided I would try to relax um, and stimulate oxytocin by watching some, it was actually really awful, some romantic comedy series on Netflix which I can't bring myself to go back to because it was really awful, um, whilst, whilst burning some clary sage and rubbing some on my belly and I must have watched about four episodes when I realised that I was feeling like this increase in sensation in my belly. Nothing bigger um, but just different and that this was coming slightly more frequently maybe and staying for a little bit longer and I was sort of swaying between excitement and don't get too excited, this may, might not be it but Is this it? Like, just couldn't really work it out. So I stayed put for a while and tried to stay calm and to be open to any signs of labor. Matt was still out in the garden and it must've got to about 6 p.m. before he came in. And I told him that I just felt different and that I thought that my period pains were sort of intensifying but not to get too excited, as it might not be. So I remember being on my lounge floor on all fours, just sort of swaying my hips and breathing and hoping this was the start of my labor. Um, so I asked Matt to turn off the light um, and, and le- he left to go make us some dinner. I turned on my fairy lights and my salt lamp. And after about half an hour, I was like, this is it. This, this, is, this is happening. <laughs> So Matt came through with my dinner, and for the first time that I can ever remember, I didn't want food. Um, So I was like, "Okay, maybe maybe we're here." So I knew that I had to try and eat something, but I just didn't have an appetite. So the surges then, or the contractions, sort of quickly ramped up. Um, I think I just paced around the house for a bit, and then Matt rang me a bath, and I made my way upstairs to the bathroom and got in, and it just felt great to be submerged in water but I just couldn't really also couldn't get comfortable but the thought of getting out didn't appeal either so <laughs> Matt just left me be um, and started getting our birthing stuff ready downstairs popping in sort of every so often to see how I was I was really happy to be on my own um, at this point I just wanted to sort of welcome in every contraction I was so curious to feel it and to understand it and I just sort of wanted to yeah, open myself up and surrender wholly to the to the experience, um, which is really different to my usual sort of go to wanting to be in control. And I think another great thing about the hypnobirthing was having a real visual and sort of theoretical understanding of what my body was going through sort of physiologically during labor at that point. So I understood that, you know, my uterine muscles were working to move upwards. And so I was able to sort of focus on that and, you know, connect my breathing with that thought as well. And I don't know how much time had passed at this point, but Matt called the home birth team um, at about quarter to nine, at which point I was having roughly two contractions in 10 minutes. To my knowledge, my waters were still intact and I had no bleeding. So, Again, we declined going to the hospital, which is what they sort of had suggested, purely based on that scan a couple of days ago. And the on-call midwife advised Matt to call back again once I was having three, three contractions in the 10 minutes. So after a while um, in the bath, I started to feel cold. So I put the shower on over me and this just felt amazing. I was just sat underneath it, like barely moved until I realized that the bath was almost full and I couldn't get the plug out. I also couldn't stand up to turn the shower off and it was like millimeters from overflowing. So I was shouting from that so that he could come and try and get this plug out, but it was completely stuck. Like he couldn't get it out either. So he helped me out of the bath, which let's face it, meant that the water level dropped a fair amount. Um, And I, (laughs) I headed to our bedroom again, I kept the lights really low. I sat on my birthing ball and I just breathed and swayed. And Matt was still really busy downstairs preparing the birth pool. And when I think about it now, I'm like, what was he doing for all of that time? But he must've, have, must've have been busy. Um, and He was sort of checking in on me every now and then to time a confu- uh, time, a few contractions. And after three hours, I was having three contractions in 20 minutes. And then after another hour, three contractions in the 10 minutes. So he called the midwife again, who said that they would come over. Um, and we agreed for a student midwife to come with her too. Matt also called our, our doula Beverly. So within 30, well, 30 minutes later, they all arrived within like a couple of minutes of each other. Um, Beverly and Matt continued running the water in the bath, to prepare the, the bath downstairs, and preparing the lounge, comforts, lights, etc. and the midwives came upstairs to check me. So I was still sat on my birthing wall, and I'd started to use my TENS machine. So prior to birth, I was a bit scared of trying it. So I thought it like felt like an electric shock, but little did I know that I would soon not let go of that boost button, like for love nor money. Uh, so I remember everyone arriving and it really sort of shifting the energy in the house, like not in a bad way, but it just felt like it had changed. And I thought, Matt's probably feeling more relaxed now, like the backup had arrived. And I hoped that they just would sort of not disturb my flow because I was in my zone. And baby was still moving, like he'd always moved swell. So I, you know, that was that was good, still no bleeding. And I may or may not have lost my mucus plug, as I thought I may have seen something when I went to the toilet, but I wasn't entirely sure. Midwife took my observations and my heart rate was slightly elevated. Um, not, not massively, it was like just above um, acceptable parameters. So she encouraged me to drink, which was good as I think I'd forgotten to do this. They monitored my contractions and I was now having four in 10 minutes with some coupling um, sort of back to back. She felt my tummy and told me that the contractions were strong, but that I was having good resting in between. Monitored uh babe's heart rate as well, which was also slightly elevated. And again, it was just above acceptable parameters. But because of this, they explained that protocol would recommend a hospital birth again, but we declined. At this point, like the thought of going to hospital was just so far from where my head and my heart and my body was. Like I was deep in my zone and was not up for interrupting that vibe at all. So I was offered a vaginal examination, but I declined. Um, I knew that my labour was progressing and I could feel it, and I didn't think that an examination was going to help me I had actually decided before my labour that I would probably decline um, examinations unless absolutely necessary, and for me that was a few reasons. But the main one being that I'm I'm a really competitive person, and mostly with myself. Um, and I knew that if I was given a number that didn't correlate with the progress I felt I was making, I would be disappointed, and and that would probably more likely hinder my my progress. So, yeah. So that that wasn't there. I wasn't having that at the moment. So the pool, the birth pool was now ready for me. So I slowly made my way downstairs and into my what had been transformed into a little birth cave. And I was advised not to get into the pool until both mine and babe's heart rate had come down. So I just sat on my ball and I breathed and I ramped up my TENS machine and I just breathed this like primal breath. It just came so naturally that I felt like everything was exactly as it should be. Matt and I just laughed because our dream of birthing in our lounge seemed to be coming true and we were like we were doing it and in our minds we would soon be in that pool and meeting our little miracle and then after about 45 minutes and now about 3am my heart rate was only just above my baseline and I was really keen to get in the pool and I was given the go ahead and prepared to move into the pool and honestly I just I couldn't believe my luck. I was just like, this is happening, this is happening. Like my, my midwife called the second midwife um, as they usually do to join for, for the birth. And now like, if I, when I think back, I think if I could just bottle how I felt at that point, like I would, like I would then like take it with me whenever I needed to feel like really fierce. <laughs> Because I just felt amazing, like an absolute goddess. I had like all of these cheerleaders telling me I was amazing. My body was laboring spontaneously. I was reading my affirmations, and I was making some really primal noises. I just like I felt like I was on the edge of greatness.
0: Wow! <laughs>
1: then, wow, wow! Which I know it sounds like really over the top, but that's just how I felt. <laughs>
0: no i totally get it and you're painting the picture really well so i'm i'm feeling that like that's yeah <laughs> of, of course you would feel like that
1: so so that so yeah i was there um and then i stood up from the birthing ball and i felt this rush of warm water fall out of me and it just kept coming and my midwife reassured me that this was okay and to let this come. you know this was my waters um and it felt good like it felt like a release And my contractions uh, strengthened at this point. But as she checked it, we saw that there was significant meconium in my waters. So my heart dropped because I I knew what this meant. I'd previously about 10 years ago worked as a neonatal nurse. So I'd cared for babies who had aspirated meconium during labor. I knew that this was something to take seriously. But I also just, I just didn't want to leave this cocoon of calm and safety and familiarity. So, you know, I was advised not to get in the pool and to go to hospital. And I was reluctant initially. So I decided to have a minute with Matt and Beverly to discuss my options. Like I I knew at this point that I was going to have to transfer to hospital, but I just, I needed a minute to make sure that this was a decision we were making, not out of fear, but because it was the right thing for us and for baby. And I think I just needed to sort of like, yeah, change change zones almost, um, like come back down to us a little bit from this this sort of high that I was on. So I agreed at this point to have a vaginal examination in case we were close and therefore able to to birth at home. So uh, this was very really uncomfortable. <laughs> Lying on my back, it didn't feel good at all for me. Um, And then came the news that my cervix was fully effaced. So it was nice and thin, but I was only three centimeters dilated. So the midwife advised that we transfer to hospital. Um, We agreed and an ambulance was called with a category one request. So an immediate response to a life threatening condition. Um, And before I could get dressed, (laughs) they had arrived. So I had like loosely packed a hospital bag, but I really believed I would be giving birth at home if you didn't realize that from what I've said already. (laughs) So it wasn't all together, so to speak. Um, So Matt and Beverly started gathering my stuff, Beverly got the birthing room accessories, affirmations, lights, Matt got my bag. And I'd also been going between feeling really hot and shivering cold throughout the labor up to now. So my clothing needs were a little bit unpredictable. So (laughs) I was sort of shouting for different things. Um, and then the paramedic, yet yeah, they arrived with gas and air. And what a treat this was. So I live, <laughs> I live down about 10 stairs or steps in, in our front garden. So getting up was a mission, but the 4am sort of fresh air felt amazing, smelled amazing. Everything like appeared really vivid. Like, I just remember being like, whoa, the world is really cool. Um, and I took some of the gas and air and I just couldn't believe how great it was. <laughs> I remember asking everyone as I was crossing the road, um, not wearing clothes that I should have been wearing at that point <laughs> for me, I mean, in the morning. Um, to the, I was walking to, you know, to the flashing ambulance, why they hadn't given me gas and air up to now. To which um, Beverly reminded me that I'd specifically asked not to be offered any pain relief <laughs> or gas and air, um, but it was great. So we, we bundled into the, into the ambulance. There was Beverly, the midwife, the student midwife, they were all sat along the side and I was on all fours on the bed in the back. Um, Matt drove separately so that he and we had a way of getting home. Uh, the blue lights were on and we were on route Every time we went round a corner, all three women had their, had to put their arms out to keep me from falling off the bed, which made us laugh. Um, that and the gas and air, I think. Um, but I was really confused as to why Matt wasn't with me. Like I couldn't get my head around where he was, but I just couldn't understand it. But the ambulance was quite bright and hot and felt so far away from the little sort of cave that I'd had at home. Anyway, it felt like a really long journey. (laughs) We arrived at the hospital and I was offered a wheelchair, but I wanted to walk in. In my head, I was so aware that I wanted to continue to stay active and upright and open and all of these things. And it gets a little bit hazy from here with my memory, but I requested my notes. So I have a rough idea of of the events. Um, I walked or I was walked to the labor ward and hooked up to a CTG monitor. And I continued to have four contractions in 10 minutes with this continued sort of coupling of contractions. So um, so this is like the coupling is where, if I, I've got this right, but it's where you kind of have this, the the rush of the contraction and it reaches its peak. But as it descends, it doesn't come down completely before going back up again and, and reaching its peak again. So it's kind of like a, a double contraction, I think. Does that sound about right, Poppy? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's right, that's right.
1: Okay, um, so, so that was what was was going on. And Beverly made sure that the room reflected my lounge as best as possible. The lights were kept low, my fairy lights were hung, my affirmations were placed on the bed for me to see. Um, she shared my birth preferences with the new midwife and asked for a birthing ball. I was actually standing up and leaning over the bed at this point, but the change in environment was quite overwhelming. There was lots of people sort of coming in and out of the room I only really remember speaking to Matt and Beverly, um, but I know that there was sort of lots of goings on around me. Um, Matt was reminding me to try and stay with my breath and giving me like really reassuring eye contact. And he just kept telling me that he was proud of me and that I was amazing and strong and capable. God, I'm going to cry. Um, And capable, which just, it really helped me to reconnect like with that headspace that I had back home. Um and I got back into my breathing zone and once again just started to really embrace the process of feeling bloody powerful again. <laughs> so I was in almost like a meditative state where my only focus was my breath. So I knew that each contraction would last about five long breaths, so I just counted my way through them and knew that I'd come out the other side. <laughs> that was my goal. And I also remember um, Beverly, my doula, having really warm hands and placing pressure on my lower back with the contractions, and this felt amazing. She managed to find like the exact right spot and the perfect amount of pressure, and I just thought, "Yes, Beverly!" Like every time, in my head, I was saying that. <laughs> and then Matt stayed close, <laughs> sort of offering water, holding my hand, being just an incredible cheerleader. And I could see in his eyes how proud he was. um, But I could also see that he was worried for me. I was pretty vocal by now. (laughs) Like I was making quite a lot of noise. And I actually asked Matt last night, I said, you know, what do you remember about this point in in the birth? And he said that the things that stand out is he was just thinking, when will this be over? Um, He remembers the smell (laughs) and he remembers like just how worried he was, but how proud he was of me. So it now got to about 6 a.m. Um, in the morning. So, I don't even, yeah, we'd been going for about 13, 14 hours, I think. Um, and I had this insatiable urge to push, like with every fiber of my being, I couldn't stop it from happening. And I knew this, I knew like that this was the ejection reflex because we'd learned about it in our hypnobirthing, um, but I couldn't, I couldn't quite believe like how unstoppable it was like it was just overwhelming and it excited me to think that babe was going to be with us soon um but actually it just meant that I started pooing so (laughs) I felt so much pressure in my lower abdomen and the midwife was telling me this was a good thing this meant baby was coming and I was asking to go to the toilet but I was told I couldn't because baby was coming very very soon um and with each urge to push, I was pretty much just sort of falling backwards, like onto Matt and Beverly, who would then support me back up. Like um, I couldn't have stopped the push, even if I'd wanted to. And I know there were like other people in and out of the room, but in all honesty, I, I can't see any faces. When I look back at it, I just remember the urge to push and feeling so safe and so held by Beverly and Matt who were just sort of working as this great support team behind me. Um. But Babe was getting a bit distressed with the contractions at this point and was only happy when I was stood bolt upright, but I was exhausted. Um, I'd been pushing for about an hour at this point and I just kept pooing. Like honestly, I didn't care that I was pooing, but I just felt really bad because it smelled. (laughs) The midwife and Beverly were swiftly removing the pads that had been put on the floor to catch it in an attempt to retain some of my dignity. And I just remember being so thankful that everybody else in the room bar me was wearing a face mask. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's like COVID did one good thing for me. Yeah,
0: I'm really glad you're speaking about this because this is such a big fear with all the clients I work with. It's always, always poo comes up. So it's really good to just you to just tell, you know, speak about it and share your experience. Yeah, I mean there was no stopping it.
1: There wasn't yeah. a choice in the matter, but equally I, I really didn't care. You didn't like care it, I, in that moment. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I just thought, I honestly just thought this means that baby's coming. Like I'm I'm getting closer because the pressure is, you know, is pressing down so much on my bowel that I need to poo. <laughs> so it kind of made it was me a, a bit good more sign. excited.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um so the midwife kept asking, she kept saying, you know, can I feel baby dropping down? But but I couldn't. Like they reassured me that the pooing was a good sign, like you say. Um, And that it meant that baby was close. But after about another half an hour, um, babes was recording a very like sort of variable decelerations where the heart rate wasn't picking back up after the contractions as as well as we would have liked it to have. And simultaneously, I was really starting to tire as well. So I was encouraged to change position, but babes didn't respond well to that at all. And then a doctor was asked to come in and review the CTG. um, And at this point was suggesting that I consider an epidural as they felt that I wasn't coping so well um, and that this would give me some respite. Um, With this, they also asked to perform another vaginal examination as I had been pushing for a considerable considerable amount of time with no sign of, of baby coming. So again, I discussed this with Matt and decided that This time we would go ahead with it. Um, I didn't want to but I felt that this would give us some indication of how close or how far potentially I really was. I'm also aware that like the centimetres dilation doesn't necessarily mean how close I am but at that point I felt that that was going to give me that information so I went for it. Um, So I climbed up onto the bed and this process really disturbed my flow I'd say that sort of having the examination It yeah, sort of stopped me in my tracks almost. Um, and it was the most uncomfortable examination, sort of lying down, just didn't feel good for me. And then came the news that I was four centimetres dilated. So I was now considered to have had, you know, slow progress. I was having this abnormal CTG and continued coupling or these back-to-back contractions. And I honestly just I couldn't believe it. I kind of like well I did I just lost my head at this point um the doctor left the room because she was called to an emergency and the energy in the room had shifted again so up until this point I'd felt like I was able to take it all on to surrender to the process I felt so sure of my body's ability to dance with my babe and to birth them but this just yeah just changed things for me um my doula Beverly she was keeping an eye on the monitor whilst Matt and I got back to trying to find my breath um it was morning handover so a new midwife um was coming in not that I I was trying to think like I don't actually remember the previous one but then I think maybe that that is a good thing because they must have realized that I wanted sort of a hands-off approach and that you know I had the support I needed through through Matt and, and Beverly and Beverly was such an excellent advocate for us whenever a new person came into the room she shared my birth preferences she asked them to wait until I was not in the middle of a contraction before asking me a question which happened so many times like it really surprised me like how was I going to answer (laughs) I'm currently mooing at you I don't think I can put together you know a sentence (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I just I just really loved Beverly for this like in that moment but also now I still do (laughs) so Another 30 minutes or so had passed and we were breathing again, but I was really losing physical strength. Um, and I started to feel for the first time that something wasn't right, that Babe wasn't as happy. And um, Beverly had noticed that the heart, Babe's heart rate was not coming back up again after the contractions. My new midwife wasn't happy with how long I'd been pushing for. And so asked for me to be reviewed um, again. So the registrar returned and at this point advised pretty much straight away that I'd be prepped for theatre um, and for a cesarean birth. And I remember again, she was asking me like multiple questions, um, or asking me a question multiple times, not even sure which way it was, um, whilst I was contracting and, and again, Beverly sort of asking her to wait until I had a break because I couldn't give a clear response uh, when I was able to, like, again, and I was so grateful for her saying this, but I just thought this surely this should be
0: obvious <laughs> I'm not going to be able to make a good like you know cohesive answer totally yeah while you're literally mooing out a contraction like yeah yeah
1: I'm yeah. 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 pooing in in there as well you know just yeah. get it all yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here we are like about 17 hours after I first experienced these tightenings on my sofa we'd faced so many decisions and we were confident with each other or with each of our choices, should I say. Um, we are confident because made, we, we knew what our options were. So we knew the implications of them and what we were willing to fight for. But really, I, I hadn't properly considered that I might have an abdominal birth. This was like not in my plan <laughs> at all when I was saying like the A, B, C, D. I've done all of those, but I hadn't really thought that I was going to end up with a cesarean. Um, not because there's anything wrong with the cesarean birth but because I so wanted to experience a vaginal birth um, with as little as intervention as possible and I really like truly believed that my body was capable of doing this so this next bit all happened very quickly Um, Matt was really relieved I think that I had agreed to the cesarean at this point um, mostly because he was just you know, he was watching the person he loved the most in the world, hopefully, um, <laughs> you know, going through this really, tr- you know, painful <laughs> experience, I guess. Um, so he was relieved that I'd agreed. And within minutes I had been given an injection into my stomach to slow down the contractions. I was given pre-meds um, and initial consent had been taken. And 10 minutes later, I was in theater, I was still contracting, I was still breathing, but now like really wanting to have the baby safely earthside, ASAP in whatever way would make this happen. And I knew that I had to surrender to this process as much as I had done like throughout the rest of it. But in all honesty, like I was just bitterly disappointed. I felt like I'd like climbed this, you know the biggest mountain with the best team in the world but I wasn't quite able to reach the summit. And I remember like lying on the table and just thinking, okay, like this isn't plan A, B, C or D, but I understand it. So I need to continue like advocating for myself and for my babe. And so i repeatedly told them, like I just kept repeating. I wanted a gentle as possible entrance into the world for my babe that I wanted them to facilitate optimal cord clamping, that I wanted to keep my placenta for encapsulation and I did not want my babe to be wiped down. And it makes me like tear up saying it again because you feel so vulnerable, like um, just lying there. <laughs>
2: hmm.
1: Excuse me. Um, but I just repeated it over and over at this point is all I had was my voice. Um, and that I just felt yeah, vulnerable, I felt excited, I felt sad, exhausted, gutted. Um, but within minutes, my babe had arrived and it was a boy. <laughs> and that we hadn't known this until then. So my baby had arrived into the world and he was born in reasonable condition, but he did need, he did need an admission to the neonatal intensive care unit to support his breathing
0: wow <laughs> I mean, you know when you're just like oh
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and when I you know when I've told people about my labour and birth they've referred to it they have referred to it as traumatic but honestly like it wasn't <laughs> the, the best part of 16 hours I loved it I like I embraced it with every fibre of my being breathing, swaying, pooing, mooing, all of it. Like, Mm. I felt that this was what I was born to do. I felt so loved by my husband. (laughs) I had multiple people telling me every few minutes how great I was, (laughs) I was going to meet our babe. Like what was not to love about that whole sort of situation. We'd faced like every junction as a team, every twist in the story was like this opportunity to employ our knowledge we'd been you know we'd been taking on throughout the pregnancy but we were making decisions from a place of knowledge and power and in that respect it had been a massive success.
0: Oh my god up until the very last moment you, you were you know verbally advocating for yourself like literally until the last minute. You know the elephant
1: in the room for me was that final 10 minutes so the feeling that I had failed to birth naturally that I had failed to do what I'd spent hours watching other women do mm. in these videos that I'd read and believed that was my birthright to achieve and I didn't do it and, and in my mind like I tried but I felt like I had failed
0: yeah
1: and so that that stayed with me for for a while and, I, and again I know this is a conversation that you've really incredibly opened up um but I, you know, I felt heavy with guilt that I hadn't given my boy this, this calm entry into the world that we didn't get that golden hour that we were dreaming of. You know, I cried to every midwife, nurse, porter who asked how I was um, because I felt, I felt like I'd let him down. Like, that's how I felt. Like, I, mm. yeah, I just, I felt like really guilty. Yeah. Um, but as time passed, um, I only reflected on my labour and birth as. You know positively and I felt so proud of us because we came away knowing that we had done everything that we could like I had successfully like I'm, I have to big myself up because if I don't I would hold on to this this sort of like you know momentous um not failing because it's not but that's kind of how I felt um, but I'd successfully labored for 17 hours using my breath and a tank or two of gas and air my husband had been this like the most incredible pillar of calm and reassurance and love throughout that you know his trust in me was unwavering and and that, that alone allowed me to trust my intuition and to trust our baby um
0: yeah <laughs> so guys i'm actually recording this post editing so i cried 3 times whilst i listened to that story And Carly, you are just a soldier. I seriously am so proud of you and so impressed. And I know that you sometimes say, you know, there's feelings of failure. And we did speak about this on Instagram. But my God, you should be proud of your story. And I know your story will inspire so many other people. So thank you so much.